I get to talk about the Holy Spirit tonight. I get to talk about Jesus tonight. The Lord is so inspiring. And, and the, the ways He encourages us and just points us to truth, it just fills our heart with hope. And so tonight, I hope to do the exact same thing, just to share hope and inspiration about the goodness of our God. I'm going to talk about the baptism and the Holy Spirit again. Last week, Russ Frace was here and he preached on it. Wasn't that amazing? Isn't Russ just an amazing dude? Gosh, what an awesome guy. We're so blessed to have just incredible relationships. And he preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we went to dinner afterwards with the elders and Russ and Lana. And, and I said, I, I, I'm, I was planning on teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit again. He's like, do it. There's plenty. There's plenty of content. Do it. So we're, we're just... We're staying on that topic. We're going to talk about hunger quite a bit tonight. And I want to ask you questions like, are you hungry? And I want you to think on that even now as we prepare. Because if you're not hungry, and you want to be hungry, our God is a God who stirs hunger. Because He wants us hungry in in searching and seeking of Him and finding the fullness of Him. In talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to really drive home some points. And, and one of the major points I'm driving home is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct and intentional act outside of salvation. Many Christians, they'll, they'll teach that at our salvation, when we receive Jesus Christ into our life and we receive the Godhead, we receive the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, which we do, that at that moment, all of us are baptized in the Holy Spirit, meaning we have the Holy Spirit and that that's all we ever need and that there's there's not another work outside of that. And friends, I'm here to tell you that is not the truth. That cannot be supported in the Word of God. And I know that's bold because the entire denominations stand on that. But when I look at the abundance of Scripture that talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I don't get how a denominational stance can make that claim. So we're going to go through Scripture. We're going to show it tonight. Why is it that some of us are so uncomfortable with that thought that there is a separate act outside of salvation? Why is it something we don't want to think about, we don't want to talk about? And not for everybody, just for some. Is it because it challenges our theology and our upbringing? Maybe. That's, that's probably very likely. Because we were just taught different. And so now, if this is wrong, that means mama was wrong. And mama's not wrong. Mamas are wrong sometimes. Daddies are wrong lots of times. Except for our perfect father. Does the idea of a baptism of the Holy Spirit beyond our salvation, does it make us uncomfortable because it stretches us to go beyond our comfort zone? Well, do we, do we serve a God who's pretty darn comfortable with us being completely uncomfortable? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So if this makes us uncomfortable, that's quite all right. Because many times that's where the Lord wants us, in a place of discomfort, where we're seeking and searching and agitated, but seeking Him and finding Him.
the completed work of salvation that we received when we trusted our lives in Jesus Christ is complete. Nothing to add to our salvation. When we came to Jesus and said, I need you, I believe you, I trust my life in you, we were saved, period. There's a word for that, and it's justified. And we can remember that word justified because we, we can relate it to this. When be, Justified meanings, he received me just as I am. Justified. With all my sin, with all my shame, with all my past, my baggage, my hurts, everything, just as I am, he said, you are now mine. And he, he washed away our sin. And he removed the barrier of shame. So there is no barrier between us and God. None. We can go to him anytime we want. We don't need a pastor. We don't need a priest. We don't need a church building. Not to come to Jesus. We can do that anywhere at any time. We can come to the Father. And there is love and grace and warmth and healing and power. Justification. But then there's a, there's a word sanctification. How many of you guys have heard that word sanctified or sanctification? That word talks about the walking out of our faith. I am sanctified daily as I walk the walk. And sometimes I stumble and sometimes I fall back and sometimes I get stubborn and I'll turn and then I go, okay, Lord, I believe in you and I'm walking it out. That's sanctification. Daily, I am being sanctified. It's funny because I I don't know any Christians that have a problem with the idea of sanctification. The walking it out. But we see in the Word of God that there was a gift given to us as believers to help us walk it out in power. To walk our life out in power and boldness and victory. And that gift was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm getting amens right over here. The Father sent us a gift that would be administered through the Son, Jesus Christ, because the Son, Jesus, is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. That's what the Word says. Walking out new life in Christ with boldness and power. Friends, the idea of that should not make us uncomfortable. It should thrill us. It should thrill us. It should excite us. Whatever skills and sets and strengths and whatever you have, he, he has more for us so that we can not limp to the finish line, but sprint boldly, victoriously. We can finish strong. That is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. That is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is meant to do. It is a separate experience from salvation. Friends, it is it is rare, rare, rare that someone gets baptized in the Holy Spirit the minute they're saved. But it does happen because there's times people are so hungry for all of God that they're like, I just need all of you. I want all of you. I will not leave this spot until I receive everything you have. And the Lord's like, I love it. Here's it. All of it. Boom. It happens. But for most of us, it's something that, that, that occurs an hour later, a day later, a week later, a month later, a year later. Why? I don't know. But I think a lot of it has to do with hunger. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst for the Lord. The Bible tells us that God rewards those 
who diligently seek Him. So wait a second. You did say we get the Holy Spirit when we're saved. Yes. Yes. We get the Holy Spirit when we're saved. We get the Father when we're saved. We get the Son when we're saved. We get the Holy Spirit when we're saved. We can't divide and parse out the Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, we're saved. Boom, we get them all. Romans 8, 9 through 11 tells us that. It says, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. When we place our trust in Jesus Christ, we are saved. And the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and lives inside of us. The Word tells us He dwells or He abides. He lives inside of us and He never leaves. He never leaves. In this series on on the Holy Spirit that, that we're in right now, we'll talk about the quenching of the Holy Spirit at another point. We'll talk about ways that we might wound the Holy Spirit. You know, I I can get in an argument with my wife on the way to church. And she might be beside me the entire time, never leaving me. But I know my words wounded her because she's not the same. Um, The affection, the life, the, the joy that flows from her, it is not there right now. It's, I've hurt her. I've grieved her. Now, she's still with me. She's still walking with me. We still, and it's much the same with the Holy Spirit. And we'll cover that at another time. We can grieve the Holy Spirit, but He doesn't just take off and leave. The promise is, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And that promise is true. When we talk about the Holy Spirit living in us, that's the abiding presence of God. But what I want to talk about tonight is the empowering baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to prove it in scriptures. So we're going to look at the disciples. Do you believe that the disciples, those who walked with Jesus, who who were handpicked by Jesus, who were there for ministry, who were there at the crucifixion, who were there in the resurrection, do you believe that those disciples were saved that they had trusted their life in Jesus prior to 50 days after the crucifixion in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Do you believe the disciples were saved prior to the day of Pentecost where they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Yes. I'm seeing nods. Yes, absolutely. I believe that as well. So when were they saved? I think I know, but, but I'm certain there's a point where I'm like, oh yeah, without a doubt by then. They had trusted their life in Jesus. But let's just go through those scriptures together. In John chapter 13, Jesus said that the disciples were made clean. So let's read that. John 13, 8 through 11. Peter said to him, 
This is Peter talking to Jesus. Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus wanted to wash his feet. Peter said, never. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, not all of you are clean. What did Jesus mean by that? You are clean? Friends, when Jesus says you are clean, it means you are clean. When Jesus says you are clean, it it means you are free from dirt and you are free from sin and it means you are free from shame because he is the one doing the cleaning. So when he says you're clean, you can take it to the bank, you're clean. He says it again in John chapter 15. He confirmed this cleansing to his disciples. He says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I read this, Jesus saying, you are clean. Then I read it again, you know, two chapters later. You are clean. But then my mind goes to the fact that these same disciples who were with him, that Jesus is saying, you are clean at the crucifixion. They ran. They fled. They feared. So, were they saved? When Jesus says you are clean, you are clean. I believe at that moment right there, when Jesus declares they are clean, they are saved. I believe that. But there's another, in, in a minute we're going to read another verse that, I'm like, oh yeah, without a doubt, by this point, yeah, that's, without a doubt, they're saved then. So long before they've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus has declared, you are clean. Friends, we, we have Bibles, we have the Word of God, that at times when, when we are hurting and we are weak, and when we feel dirty, we can open it up and we can see what He says. And we can read his words of affection over us that says, you're mine, you're loved, you're saved, you're bought with a price, and that price was the blood of my son Jesus. You're clean. I believe that Jesus told them twice. Because see, they didn't have the luxury of a Bible. The disciples didn't have the luxury of walking around with a Bible or an iPad or a mobile device that they could pull up a Bible at any minute. They didn't have that. They needed the spoken word of God. So when at the crucifixion or at any point of weakness they ran or hid or sinned or fell, that they could be reminded by the Holy Spirit who abides in them. Remember what He said. You're clean. But I feel so dirty right now. No. Remember what He said. You're clean. Friends, we need to remember that Jesus is the one who cleansed us with his blood not a not a drop shed in vain all of it with purpose 
And he did it so that we could be clean. And I know you're going to fail. I fail. I, I am lead pastor of this church, and I, I fail all the time. Sometimes it's pride. Sometimes it's frustration and anger. Sometimes it's a lack of faith. Sometimes, you know, whatever. But I don't doubt that I'm cleansed because I know that he who cleansed me did a thorough job and I don't have to doubt it. I am clean. Had they trusted their lives in Christ by then, were they saved? I think so. But let's look at John chapter 20. In this account in John 20, which takes place after his death, after the crucifixion, and after his resurrection. This takes place on the day of his resurrection. After reading this, I'm 100% convinced that they are saved by this point, if not before, but I'm pretty darn sure, you know, in my opinion, they were saved before. John 20. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also sent you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. In the upper room on this day, the day of Jesus' resurrection, when he appears to them, he says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Friends, if there was any doubt before, there should be zero doubt in this room. That this moment, it's like, oh yeah, these, yeah, they believe in the risen Savior. He just came through the door. He just came through the door and gave them the Holy Spirit. Did he baptize them with the Holy Spirit? Did he baptize them with the Holy Spirit? He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Did he baptize them with the Holy Spirit at this moment? No. He did not. In fact, he commands them. Wait. Pray. Remain together. And be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He commands them. Wait. Remain. And be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he leaves. He ascends. He goes. Even with the disciples being saved, even with the disciples having Jesus, how awesome would that be, by the way? Jesus breathing on you, saying, receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, I just can't even imagine. I mean, that must have been awesome. Even at that point, he gives them a command and says, don't go anywhere. Stay together, remain, and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So they wait, and they wait, and they wait, in obedience to the Lord, and they wait. And on the day of Pentecost, as we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, they receive. So Acts 1, 4 through 5, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And we know how, how this story goes. They waited, and then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
there were tongues of fire that appeared above them. The crowds, the masses, the thousands that were thereby heard messages about Jesus. Heard power and saw power demonstrated from, from a, what they perceived to be some weak individuals who had, who had betrayed their follower, their, their leader, by running and hiding. Now they're boldly declaring, it is not my life I care, that I care about, but declaring the life in Jesus Christ. And they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is the model we see all throughout the New Testament. Someone is saved. They, they experience faith, a saving faith in Jesus Christ, and then they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then, that's not, that's not the end. They are filled with power and they do remarkable things. Do you know that throughout, throughout the New Testament it says, and they saw that they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, why, do, why use that verbiage? They had saw that they'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, power comes from us. And I don't care in what form. I don't care if it's speaking in tongues. I don't care if it's prophesying. I don't care if it's, if it's just moving in power, speaking in boldness, declaring sermons, you know, to the masses with no fear of our, of our life. When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, people see that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The disciples' experience of the baptism with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost shows that it was a deliberate and separate occurrence from salvation. And it came after they had already believed. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a deliberate act. Deliberate. Why do I use that word? Why deliberate? Because everything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is deliberate. It's deliberate on behalf of Jesus, who was very deliberate in his command to the disciples and is still very deliberate to us. Wait. Hunger. Receive. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's deliberate on the part of Jesus. It should be deliberate on, on our behalf as well. Hunger. Hunger for the things of the Lord. It's got to be deliberate. It's got to be intentional. Friends, let's just not wait for the things of the Spirit of God to just stumble upon us. Let's seek. Let's hunger. Let's desire. Let's thirst. There's also deliberate acts from those who who have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. When we have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit and His power, we are to be deliberate in letting people know about it. You've been saved? Awesome. Have you received the Holy Spirit? I didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. You've got to receive the Holy Spirit. Okay. We've got to be deliberate as well. Hunger. Hunger. Hunger regardless of the cost. Hunger. Regardless of of what it's going to take. I need. I need to be fed. I need to be satisfied. I need to be filled. We are to hunger after the Lord. When the Samaritans had accepted the word of God as seen in Acts chapter 8, 
Peter and John went to see them. These new Samaritan disciples that had recently been saved, they were hungry. And they were open to all that God had for them. They had been saved, but not baptized in the Holy Spirit. So let's read Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Friends, when we give our lives to Christ, we're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's not, that's not even the baptism in water. When we are baptized in, in the Lord Jesus, that's when we are saved. That's our moment of conversion. That's when we are immer- immersed and we, we come up resurrected in life and power, saved, changed, whole, cleansed. These people had been saved, but not, hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. What was the sole purpose of this apostolic mission? The apostles in Jerusalem, they're like, we we got to send the team back there. They got saved, but they they haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Peter, John, they didn't send scrubs, man. They sent the best. They're like, go, go. The entire purpose of their apostolic mission was so that these believers who were hungry for all of the Lord could receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Peter and John were deliberately sent to them. Friends, I'm letting you know right now. We are deliberately sent by our King to see people walk, to see believers walk in power and boldness. And I don't care what label is on their church. Nothing's more beautiful. I mean, few, I don't know. I mean, we'll say nothing. But I'll stick with nothing. Nothing's more beautiful than seeing a Baptist, a Baptist baptized in the Holy Spirit. Spirit and speaking in tongues. That is phenomenal. That is awesome. And then they kind of, you know, a lot of times they keep it on the down low. And they, they got to be strategic and then they're just baptizing people in the Holy Spirit on the down low until the power just erupts and people are like, oh my gosh, what is this? It's the Holy Spirit. I love Him. I love the Holy Spirit. We've got to be deliberate. Do you think that the apostles in Jerusalem thought that it was vital to the Christian walk of these new Disciples. Did the apostles think it was vital to their Christianity to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Oh my gosh, friends, yes. I don't. You can't read this passage and not think that. And let's think about who these people are. Who's John? Who's Peter? Who are the apostles? Who are the apostles? When it says the apostles in Jerusalem, who are the apostles? People who walked and were there with Jesus. People who were there throughout the duration of Jesus' ministry. They were there for the sermons. They were there for the miracles. They were there being called by Him. They were there at the crucifixion. When we're reading about the apostles who felt it so vital, they were there with Jesus. So let's just kind of flesh this out. What they're saying is they've received Jesus. These Samaritans, praise God. We're, we're seeing the gospel spread. It started with the Jews. And now it's going to Gentiles and Samaritans. It's going everywhere. Praise God. The message of Jesus is being preached. That, that's what the, We were with Jesus. And now this message is starting to take over the world. They got Jesus. They got Jesus. John, Peter, guy, we got to send our best. They need more. Because they got to walk this out. They're, saying, they're, they're justified. They're saved. They're justified. But now they've got to change the world. 
Because he's called all of us to change the world. It's not just us 12 that are kind of supposed to change the world. So, come on, John, Peter, go. Let them know they're, they're part of this call to change the world. And they need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to do it. That is what that passage says. That is what that passage says. We see it, we see it with, with Saul. Saul literally dragged women and men out of their homes into the streets for the purpose of them being persecuted and murdered. Christians. He grabbed, it says men and women, but let's just flip the order. He grabbed women. Saul went and grabbed women out of their homes, dragged them into the streets so that they could be persecuted and killed because they were Christians. And on his way to Damascus, he encountered Jesus. And Jesus spoke and said, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he fell from his horse and he was stricken blind. And at that moment, homeboy believed in Jesus. When you hear a voice and he knocks you off the horse and he strikes you blind, he says, it's Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? You believe. It says later that Jesus spoke to Ananias, who was a believer, and said, I want you to go to Saul. And Ananias was like, uh, you're, I think you're mistaken, Lord. Because Saul is the guy who pulls women out of their homes to be killed, and I'm you know, a God-declaring man. He's like, no, I'm not wrong. I, I need you to go to Saul. And you're going to go to him so that his sight is restored and so that he is baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's in my notes somewhere. If the scripture's there, put it up. If, there we go. The things I'm telling you about, about the Holy Spirit, you know what's weird about it? You know what's really weird? The fact that this is no longer the norm. The fact that this is no longer the norm. The fact that this is... It's been laid out for us so beautifully in the Word of God, this New Testament example, and the fact that this is no longer the norm. The fact that we are told we don't need the Holy Spirit, that there is no baptism of the Holy Spirit, contrary to all the evidence, and not just this evidence in the Word of God, this evidence in my life, this evidence in the life of every person in this room who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's weird, friends. That's weird. That we wouldn't hunger for all that God has for us. That's strange. That's weird. The fact that any believer would try and talk any person out of receiving such a glorious gift, that's weird. We see one, one more pattern just to bring your attention to in Acts chapter 19 when when Paul, who was Saul, got saved, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now he's the Apostle Paul, a mighty man of God, wrote the majority of the New Testament. He goes to Ephesus and he found some disciples there and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Let's read that. Acts chapter 19. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, No! We have not even heard there was a Holy Spirit! And he said, 
Into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they, be, they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Friends, we see in this a deliberate outpouring of the Holy Spirit to match a deliberate hunger for the things of God. Wait, what? There's a Holy Spirit? And we didn't get Him? Not cool. Not cool! I want Him right now, and we're not doing anything until I get the Holy Spirit. You got, wait, you, you got the Holy Spirit, right? What the heck? I mean, okay, right now, I want the Holy Spirit. Friends, we should hunger after the Holy Spirit. Because I want to walk through this life victoriously. I do not want to limp through life. Whatever weapons I have at my disposal are weak outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized by John and a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son whom I love and him I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove and remained upon him because that was the prophetic word that the Holy Spirit would remain. It would descend upon him and remain upon him. At that moment, without any doubt in my mind, I know that Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Prior to that moment, he hadn't done a single miracle. Prior to that moment, he hadn't preached a single message. Prior to that moment, he hadn't walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. Immediately after this, he goes into the wilderness to be tested and he comes out unscathed, the Bible says, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was tempted, this man, not, not God, Jesus, the man Jesus, the man Jesus who did not consider equality with God to be something he could attain. Even though he was 100% man, 100% God, Jesus the man did not consider that equality with God something that he had. He was a man. And now, filled with the Holy Spirit, he is tempted and he walks out victorious by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then he walks and he calls his disciples, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. I'm a tax collector. Didn't you hear me? I said, follow me. Leave your boats. Leave your stuff behind. Follow me. He wasn't random in that. He was under the power of the Holy Spirit in that. I believe that there were words of knowledge being spoken, prophetic words. There was discernment. He, was, he had the full arsenal of the Holy Spirit at his disposal. And he did nothing except what the Father told him to do. He was walking in power. He then starts preaching messages. He then starts healing the sick and raising the dead and doing amazing things under the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, as we see in John chapter 20 and or 14 and 15 and 16 before when he's getting ready he knows the crucifixion's coming he raves about the holy spirit going oh my gosh it's better it's better that i go away it's better that i go away i know you don't get that but the holy spirit will guide you into all truth how could he say that because he's like the holy spirit guided me into all truth the holy spirit empowered me the holy spirit he he ministered in the power of the holy spirit friends we are to follow the example of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' ministry, at the beginning of his ministry, after he'd come out of the wilderness, 
Karen, why don't you come up? After he'd come out of the wilderness. And he's beginning his ministry and he preaches a message, a sermon on a mount. This is how he begins the launch of his ministry. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he had sat, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Church, are you satisfied? Is life satisfying? I'm asking you to look inside your heart. I do not want a token answer. I don't want your answer to be yes if you are completely unsatisfied. I want you to take inventory of your life right now. Are you satisfied? Is your life satisfactory? If you answer no, I want to ask you, are you hungry? Because the Bible, this is Jesus telling us, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Are you hungry? What does a hungry man do? What does a hungry woman do? Whatever it takes. A hungry man is a desperate man. A hungry man is a creative man. A hungry man, a hungry woman is a tenacious woman. A hungry teenager is someone who will not be stopped until they are fed. Because they know the cost. They know what will happen if they aren't fed. Death. Friends, if we are not hungry, we are at risk of a ridiculously unsatisfying life, even if we've given our life to Jesus Christ. Do we hunger for Him? Do we hunger for the things of the Holy Spirit? Are you hungry? Here's the awesome thing about God. If your honest answer is, gosh, Mark, I'm not satisfied and I am not hungry. Those are the honest answers. Here's the awesome thing about our God. There are people in this room right now that are deliberate about stirring hunger within you. We can pray over you. We can, just as the apostles were deliberate about sending people so that hunger could be spread. We can pray over you. Do you want to be hungry? Maybe you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you need a fresh outpouring. You need something fresh. And you need hunger. And you want it. Because you want to walk a satisfied life. And right now... Your faith is just not satisfying to you. Friends, I get it. And Jesus gets it too. That's why he gave us his word to encourage us. Mark, I feel so dirty. God, I feel so unclean. If you have trusted your life in Jesus Christ, friends, you are clean. But maybe you're just unsatisfied. Maybe you need a fresh touch from him. Friends, are we desperate for God? For more of Him. You tell me what a truly hungry person would not do to get fed. 
What are we willing to do to be fed by the things of the Lord, to be fed by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? If you want hunger, come up here. If you're not hungry and you want to be hungry, come up here. If you're you're not satisfied, if your life, you've given your life to Christ. I'm talking to Christians right now. In a minute, I'm going to talk to those who might not know Christ. I'm talking to Christians right now. If you are not living a life that's satisfied in Christ, your faith just is not satisfying, then you need hunger. If, you're, if, if you want to be hungry again, you want to be hungry again for the things of the Lord, then come up here. We want to pray for you. If that's you, honestly, there people should be running. You should be waiting for another time. It's not going to happen a third time. I'm not going to beg you to come up here. The Holy Spirit is here, and God is here, and He wants to move in power, and He wants us to be satisfied. And no one is going to beg you to come up. If you're not satisfied and you're there, then friends, golly gee, that breaks my heart. If you're sitting in your seat and you know your life is not satisfying, and and you're not coming to to Jesus to be filled and to be refreshed by Him, then friends, that that breaks my heart. Because our God is here to refresh and inspire and give hope and pour out His Holy Spirit. If you're here tonight and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know it. Because it says when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they saw it. And if you, if you, if there's not things coming from you, gifts of the Spirit and, and power, then you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Come on up here and, and Jesus is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I've thrown out quite a few things. So we're just going to come and pray. You just tell us what you need. Friends, if you are like the apostles in Jerusalem, you're like, I, I want to I just stoke hunger. Then come up and pray over these people. Come up right now. It doesn't matter if you're a believer and you're a member in this church and you're like, I want to I inspire hunger and pray hunger. Then come pray for these people. If you're still there, God still has something cool for you right where you are. For some of you, it might be you're to intercede right now. You're to pray in the Spirit. You're to intercede and and you're to just pray for these that are up there. For others, it might be you're to pray for yourself. For others, you're stubborn and you're just you haven't responded yet and you still have time to get your butts up here. Don't let fear or pride or anything else keep you from from a fresh outpouring of God because our God is awesome and He is here to let you know that He's awesome so that you can be satisfied. So, church, feel free to, to come pray. Everyone else, please just just stay in the moment. Stay in the moment. Church isn't done. God's got cool things to do, and you get to be a part of it. You get to witness it. You get to pray it through. So just stay connected. Stay deliberate, church.